please. Bomba Cloud, shoot up on fire, man. Maestro coming at you live from the Bronx, New York City with some of the uh, boxing news uh, that I think is important to check out. All right, so we're going to check it out. All right, boxing news right here. And uh, boxing news, it usually comes from the same place, and that place is the boxing scene. Shout out to Jake Donovan. Shout out to Keith. Idex, shout out to Anouk, shout out to all of the writers over there at uh, the boxing team. Got to big up my man Corey as well. All right, and look, we're gonna get right into it. First story of the day is about a fight that I'm really looking forward to this weekend. We got two big fights this weekend. In one fight, you've got kind of two guys with relatively big names in the heavyweight division taking each other on in Derek Delboy slash War Chisora and uh, Pulev, right? Kubra Pulev. But in the other big fight of the weekend, we've got Mark McSayo taking on Ray Vargas. All right, it is a mandatory defense for Maxayo's WBC featherweight title. And uh, Sayo's pretty confident going into this fight. Uh, according to him, he's already beaten the best fighter at 126 pounds in Gary Russell Jr. All right, and again, this story is coming courtesy of the boxing scene. All right, no attributed author on this one, just boxing scene staff, but... It says WBC featherweight world champion Mark Magnifico Maxayo is not expecting a toe-to-toe fight when he makes a mandatory defense against former world champion Ray Vargas this Saturday, July 9th, headlining live on Showtime from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, in a premier boxing champions event. Once again, Hall of Fame trainers... Freddie Roach and Ignacio Nacho Berestain will be on opposite sides of a Philippines versus Mexico battle. Roach and Nacho matched wits in four tough fights between Manny Pacquiao and Juan Manuel Marquez. Now Roach trains one of uh, Pacquiao's protégés in Mexico, while Nacho has groomed the skills of Vargas. Maxayo makes the first defense of the belt he captured back in January when he overcame longtime champion Gary Russell Jr. Quote, it was an amazing feeling to bring honor to my country by winning the world title earlier this year. But at the end of the day, I'm still the same humble guy that I've always been. It was a very emotional. It was very emotional returning home and seeing how proud everyone was of me. Unquote, McSayo said, quote, I'm facing a fighter who's actually usually going backwards. He's tall. So that's always his plan. I'm hoping he doesn't run too much in this fight. If I'm able to get 
to the right distance with him, I'm going to get the knockout. Quote, I'm prepared for anything he brings. I've gotten great sparring with guys who move, guys who go toe-to-toe and everything in between. It doesn't matter how he fights. I'll be ready for it. Quote, my footwork is definitely very important in this fight. Just like against Gary Russell Jr., I'm going to have to make adjustments. I'm not expecting him to mix it up with me. Quote, I've already faced the best fighter in the division, and that was Gary Russell Jr. I beat him clearly, and I believe that sent a message to the rest of the division even before he hurt his shoulder or whatever happened. I was winning the rounds. Well, that's one reading of the situation. Um, I don't know if everybody that watched that fight agreed that he was winning the fight before Gary Russell's shoulder went. You know, there, there were statements made after the fight saying that essentially Gary Russell Jr. went into that fight already injured. And yes, Cannabai, we are live. We're going to be going live and then right after this, boom, boom, boxing scene's going to get, uh, sorry, um, boxing voice is going to get started. So yes, Cannabai, we're live. Shout out to Cannabai. All right, so uh, there were people that were quite upset with the fact that Gary Russell Jr. supposedly went into that first fight with an injury. All right, he went into that first fight with an injury. Uh, and look, McSyle's very confident coming off of the heels of that performance. And you know what? He says he already beat the best fighter at 126 pounds. I got to be honest with you. It's a little bit hard to disagree with him for that. Right? I think Gary Russell Jr. Right? What was, was more accomplished in the division than Emmanuel Navarrete, who to me right now is, is leading the pack. But Gary Russell Jr., I think, uh, given how long he held the title, given his status in the sport, given that his only loss to that point was against Lomachenko. And Gary Russell Jr. very rarely lost rounds, let alone fights. So, yeah, I mean, he was clearly up at the top. You want to give it to Navarrete? Okay. But Gary Russell Jr. has got to be in that discussion. After Navarrete and after Gary Russell Jr., with all due respect, there's a little bit of a drop there because I don't think Josh Warrington, Josh Warrington, the Leeds warrior, is on par with Gary Russell Jr. Lee Wood, tampoco. I don't think he's he's up there with Gary Russell Jr. And honestly, I don't even know if, if Leo Santa Cruz, who holds the WBA super title, at 126 pounds is on Gary Russell Jr.'s level either. I think, look, it was Gary Russell Jr., it was Emmanuel Navarrete, and then it was everybody else. So Mark McSayo did take on one of the two best guys in the division. Again, you can debate whether it's Navarrete, whether it's Gary Russell Jr. That's up to you. That's up to y'all, right? But if Gary Russell... Isn't one at the time when when number one when McSayo took him took him on at worst he's he's one one B. 
All right, so I, I totally get I totally get Mark McSow's confidence going into this fight. I also really like the dynamic, again, between Roach versus Betty Stain. Freddy versus Nacho. I like that. I like that. that, that that's a great trainer rivalry right there. Fro, uh, uh, Roach versus Betty Stain slash Freddy versus Nacho. I, I, I like that. I, li- I like that. Actually, I love that. And for those of you who've seen Ray Vargas, he's got that, that Betty Stain school in him, man. The way he, he boxes and moves, the way he works off the jab, the way he can counterpunch you. This is going to be a pretty tough fight for Maxayo. It's going to be a chess match in there. McSyle's going to have to work the body. McSyle's going to have to get inside. McSyle's going to have to slow down Ray Vargas. And I think he's going to have to use a lot of feints and head movement in there to have a lot of success. To have a lot of success. I, I do. And yeah, Canada, it is... Uh, Actually, it would be school hours if we were in the school year, but I'm not in the school year right now. We are on summer holiday, so I got to ding the bell. I got to ding the bell for summer holiday. I love love summer holiday. I've loved summer holiday since I was a youngin', since I was a kid. Now my estero's getting older, all right? But, But I still love the summer holidays. Especially here in New York City where it gets really hot. But you know what? We still have beaches. We still have parks. We still have things we can do. Anyways, I digress. I digress. So, yeah, Mark Maxayo, I agree. I think he already did beat, at least you can say, arguably the best featherweight. A guy who very rarely gave up rounds, let alone lost fights at featherweight. And... A guy who going into that fight was, let's be honest, he was dealing with a lot of issues outside the ring. His father, who, you know, had a, had a leg amputated and then eventually passed away. That couldn't have been easy. May he rest in peace. All right, and then, and then he had the injury on top of that, but then still decided to fight. So that, that, that couldn't have been easy. But Muxayo got the win, and he deserves credit for it. Right, And in, in further news related to this fight, Mark McSyle says there's going to be a knockout if Ray Vargas is not going to run too much. Mark McSyle hopes, and this is courtesy of Keith Idek. Big up, Keith Idek. Let me ding the bell for Keith. Keith. Keith is one of the real ones out there doing a great job here on the writing, writing side. So Mark McSaw hopes he is wrong, but the unbeaten WBC featherweight champion expects he'll have to chase after Ray Vargas during their 12-round fight Saturday night. Vargas's history suggests that he won't engage with a puncher like McSaw, who will make the defense of the 126-pound championship if he won from Gary Russell Jr. five months ago. The taller, rangier Vargas regularly boxes off his back foot, which will present a challenge for the heavy-handed McSaw in the main event of a Showtime Championship Boxing triple header at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Quote, he always goes backwards, all fight, McSyle told Boxing Scene. Quote, I hope this 
upcoming fight, he's not going to run too much. There's going to be a knockout if he's not going to run too much. The Philippines McSile 24 0, 16 KOs, feels his majority decision victory over Russell 32, 31 and 2, 18 KOs. Help prepare him for how to handle Vargas, who, unlike Russell, is a right handed boxer. Russell took a very defensive approach to his fight with McSile, particularly after Russell aggravated a pre-existing injury to his right shoulder early in the fourth round of their 12-round bout January 22nd at Borgata Event Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey. All right. McSile was quoted here as saying, to win this fight, I'll have to use my footwork. It's going to be hard to catch him. The guy is tall, and he's going to run, so I need to make adjustments, just like the Gary Russell fight. He's too small, and he was going to run, so it's hard to hit them when they run. Talking about Vargas, Mike Sayo says, again, quote, I saw his training, his sparring. He's always going backwards, backwards, staying away from his opponent. In the gym, we've trained for different styles, slugger, a brawler, fighter, and a boxer. Whatever his style is in the fight, we're ready. Well, I'm I'm not expecting that much uh, slugging or brawling from Vargas. I'd be very surprised if he slugs and brawls. But I get that they have to prepare for that. What what they should, of course, be preparing for, and no doubt Hall of Fame trainer Freddie Roach is preparing for this, fainting, cutting off the ring. Head movement. But quickly being able to move laterally, all right, quickly being able to work the body, close the distance, getting under the jab, ripping hooks to the body, all right, Probably jabbing to the body as well. The jab to the body is very underrated. Very important to slowing down the fighter. So, I mean, he's going to have to do all of these things to experience success in the fight. So, guys, I'm I'm really looking forward to this fight Saturday night. And, yes, Cannabis, you're absolutely right. McSayo has to learn to cut off the ring, not complain about movers. Right? He's already kind of starting the language of complaining by, by suggesting that if he doesn't run, well, don't allow him to run. Cut off the ring. Close the distance, right? Slow him down. Jabbing to the body, straights to the body, right hands that is, hooks to the body, right? And, and, and try to slow down Vargas. It's going to be tough to get that done. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. All right? In other news, uh, there, there may be hope for, for Catterall getting this rematch now because the undisputed 140-pound champion of the world, Josh Taylor, uh, has been stripped now of like two different titles and now he doesn't have to defend those mandatories. Right, with the WBA or now the WBC. So that leaves them with the IBF, the WBO, and the Ring Magazine title. I know it's not everything Catterall wanted, but it sounds like Josh Taylor just was a little bit fed up of the complaining 
and the accusations of malfeasance that a lot of fans of 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 Catterall have been alleging, right? Oh, he only won the fight because he was in Scotland. Hometown cooking. How dare they? How dare they do something in Scotland that we do all the time in England, the foreign fighters? How dare they do that? Okay, I get it. I think Josh Taylor gets it too because it looks like, according to him, there's nothing stopping Catterall uh, from getting a rematch, right? So this is, again, a non-attributed story, all right? Great writers over there, boxing scene. All right, uh, but boxing scene's reporting here that WBO IBF junior welterweight champion Josh Taylor insists that he's ready and willing to face Jack Catterall in a heated rematch. They met in the ring back in February with Josh Taylor getting dropped for the first time in his career and pulling off a controversial 12-round split decision. Taylor had issues with the tricky boxing style of Catterall who entered the ring as the mandatory challenger under the WBO. In the aftermath, Catterall demanded a rematch take place as soon as possible. Taylor, who at the time held every world title at 140 pounds, was hit with two mandatory orders from the WBC and WBA. The WBA ordered him to face Alberto Puello, while the WBC ordered him to fight Jose Cepeda. I'm going to just interject here real quick um, off script. There was an agreement with the WBA and the WBC and the WBO and the IBF in terms of the orders of events. And according to WBC President Mauricio Suleiman, the WBA, after agreeing to an order of defenses, meaning one organization go first, another go second, another go third, another go fourth, essentially just backtracked up out of there. Right, they they backtracked up out of there. They did a little of this. All right, and they decided, you know what? We're we're not even gonna gonna uphold this disagreement that we all agreed to, and we're just gonna go ahead and order Josh Taylor to fight for his WBA title against the next available mandatory that we're just going to like guys put things in a hat and, and decide who, who's who's coming up next because it's weird that that pro gray ain't get that shot but anyways i'm off script let me get back on script all right taylor who vowed to face catterall in a rematch to set the record straight would walk away from both the wba and wbc belts Now that he's removed the mandatory orders hanging over his head, Taylor believes there is nothing left to prevent a rematch with Catterall from taking place before the end of the year. Quote, I was going to have to fight Jose Zepeda in August or September, and that just isn't possible with the wedding only being a few weeks away. There's no way I'm prepared to go into a fight not being in the best shape, Taylor explained to Edinburgh News in Scotland. Quote, but the reason I'm also doing this is to get the Catterall fight. It's a chance to shut people up and show that I am still the best in the division. There's nothing stopping this fight from happening now. I've done everything I can to make it happen. So it's now over to Jack. But I won't wait around for him. Unquote. 
So, look, it's it's interesting that yes, he he's got that that all going on now, right? And um, you know, he's got the wedding, he's getting title strips from him, and now he's he's open to the rematch, and it looks like it should happen. We'll see if it does. Um, but Josh Taylor no longer holds on to the WBA or WBC title. And you know what? I, I would have done the same thing. I mean, Prince Nazim Ahmed did that back in the day, right? He he consolidated the titles and just dropped them and kept one. Lewis did it, Lennox Lewis. Uh, once you're the recognized undisputed champion in the world, why not save on some of those sanctioning fees, right? I mean, at least I would. I mean, I, I, I would want to do that, right? Uh, lastly here, we've got the constant up and down soap opera saga featuring Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. You know, uh, I went over this earlier in the week uh, as Boxing Scene had reported it. Jake Paul had a deadline for Tommy Fury. Uh, Tommy Fury didn't meet that deadline. All right. And um, to quote uh, Paul, you know, and this is again courtesy to report in the boxing scene. Fury received a termination notice. Second time in a row, he has pulled out MVP, most valuable promotions, did everything it could to help him and his team. He wasn't interested, and he literally went into hiding, said Paul. Quote, second time in a row, I'm going to step up and take on a new opponent on short notice. The exact reason for Fury's visa issue has yet to be determined, but his older brother, WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, is also precluded from entering the United States, which is due to Tyson's past business relationship with alleged drug cartel leader, Daniel Kinahan. Tommy Fury still believes a fight with Paul can happen in the future. Quote, I'm gutted and disappointed in regards to the issues I have faced with entry into the United States, Tommy Fury said. This is something that myself or my team could never have anticipated happening. This situation has been left with my lawyers as being denied entry into a country is obviously a very serious issue and it needs to be subsequently resolved. Quote, I'm confident this fight will happen when this issue gets resolved and I will come to a solution. I want to clarify that I will fight in a neutral country that both parties can enter. This can be anytime, any place, anywhere. And uh, according to Boxing Scene, which uh, reported on this, I believe it was Chris Mannix from SI that had the initial scoop. Looks like Paul's going to be fighting Hasim Rahman Jr., 31 years old, has a pro record of 12-1 and with six KOs. He suffered his first defeat back in April when he was knocked out by James Morrison. Rahman had won every round on the official scorecards when Morrison stopped him in the fifth. So, look, there you go, guys. And um, it's funny, though, that that... Jake Paul came out with the moniker Tommy Fumbles. And whether it's his fault or whether it's somebody else's fault, uh, Tommy Tommy has fumbled it, man, a couple times now. And 
as a fan, it's like you're wondering, is this guy ever going to fight uh, Jake Paul? And the answer is probably not. Um, I mean, uh, Jake Paul, you could argue Jake Paul now is taking on a... I'm, I'll just flat out say it. Jake Paul is now taking on a better opponent than Tommy Fury. It's a guy with more fights against better, more, um, better high-caliber opposition who also is, is bigger than him. Right now, he's taking them off of a loss, which people might complain about, but um, it is what it is. In other news, Eddie Hearn has apparently made an offer to Joshua Boazzi to fight Dimitri Bivol. Again, boxing scene reporting. All right. Um, Boazzi is ranked as the number two contender with the WBA and said he was ready to face Bivol after after a dominant win over Craig Richards in May. Bivol also holds a decision win over Richards. Also in the month of May, Bivol shocked the world by handing heavy favorite Sanelo, oh, sorry, Saul Canelo Alvarez his, just his second career defeat with a clear unanimous decision victory. This is what Bivol, uh, you know, probably needs right now an opponent because he's not getting the rematch with Canelo, at least not now. And uh, according to Hearn, we want Boazzi to fight Bavol. Quote, we've made an offer to Boazzi to fight Bavol, which we want to make sure he's happy with, and hopefully we can make that fight. Quote, it's not done yet. It's not signed, but we're seeing if we can make the numbers work. Uh, it's th- This is an interesting one. Because right now, on paper, this is a big mismatch. And, you know, um, it's really going to be now up to Boati's management to determine, you know, whether enough, whether there's enough money on the table to take such a high risk. Right? Now, look, every path to a championship belt right now is high risk. That goes without saying, because it's like pick your poison, right? On one side, you've got Bavol with the WBA belt. On the other side, you've got Better B with the WBC, WBO, and IBF titles. Either way, uh, I think Boazzi's a heavy underdog. So, I mean, the question is, do you throw him to the wolves or... Do you continue to kind of develop him on the domestic scene in the UK against domestic rivals, right? I mean, the issue there is that a lot of those domestic rivals are not really affiliated with DAZN, like Baval is. I'm speaking specifically about Yard, who's looking at fighting Better Be. I'm talking about a Callum Smith, sorry, Callum Johnson. But there is one guy that's available or that's on on the 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 zone platform and that's Callum Smith. So I personally I would have rather seen Buati take on Callum Smith and then the winner of that go towards Bivol or better be but you know maybe they think that Smith isn't a winnable fight either and they'd rather you know put him in a position where if he does lose it's against an established world champion. I can kind of see that logic. I can kind of see that logic. I I I can. Right? And um 
last story here uh, is about a guy who quite often doesn't get his predictions right a lot of times in high-profile fights in the heavyweight division to boot, right? And I'm talking about David Hay, who's saying that Joshua could retire from boxing if Usyk wins a rematch. Right? I mean, it is what it is. Former two-division world champion David Hay believes countryman Anthony Joshua could very well retire if he suffers another defeat in his upcoming rematch with Alexander Usyk. Back in September at Tottenham Hotspur Arena in the UK, Usyk outboxed Joshua over 12 rounds to capture the WBA, IBF, IBO titles and the WBO title. The outcome marked the second defeat of Joshua's career. The rematch takes place August 20 in Saudi Arabia. Quote, if he doesn't win, I'm not sure he wants to be in a sport where he knows he's not the best. He got out hustled by someone he knows he can beat. And if he does everything right and Usyk still beats him, I don't know if there is anything else for him to do in the sport. Unquote. He told the son, quote, he is such a winner that I don't know what he does next if he loses again. He believes he has all the physical abilities to beat Usyk. So do I. So with the right plan, he can get the victory, unquote. He expects Joshua to make adjustments and look better in the second meeting. Joshua pointed out, or sorry, Joshua parted ways with longtime trainer Robert McCracken and secured the services of veteran coach Robert Garcia, quote, I think his performance this time around can't be worse than in the first fight in terms of tactics and game plan. That was the worst. So I am sure Robert Garcia won't do that again, Hay said. Quote, change is good, different methods, face and voice. In the first fight, whoever was saying what and whoever came up with the plan is irrelevant. <laughs> Shots fired. He just has to win this fight and get back on top of the world, unquote. So uh, it is what it is. David Hay, uh, I would say arguably the second, probably if at worst, the third best cruiserweight of all time. You know, he's given his opinion on this. He once held the WBA Reggie belt that he took from... Um, Valuev, right? And uh, he doesn't always get his predictions right, especially about Tyson Fury. But you know what? I don't think he's really off base on this one. I don't really uh, think he's off base on this one. And it looks like Philly Drew, shout out Philly Drew. It looks like Sly Tendencies, shout out Sly Tendencies. Agree with this. I actually agree, too. Look, I said this earlier in the week, and I'm going to say it again. AJ isn't just a businessman. He's a business man. And if he's coming off of two straight losses against guys who are, let's be frank, undersized compared to him, Right, we're talking about two straight losses, and all of his losses, all three of them would have been against undersized guys. Two straight to Usyk, another one at the hands of Andy Ruiz Jr. Right, kind of the aura, the mystique, all of that is gone if if he loses twice to Usyk. 
And it's a slow, hard road back to the top. Right? When you look at the rankings at heavyweight, he's not in any kind of a mandatory position right now. Right? And it's only going to be a, a steady slide down. So all he'd be hoping for essentially is that someone would select him as a mandatory challenger, right? That somebody accept him as a man. Uh, sorry, it's not a mandatory. So what am I saying? It's an optional defense, right? When you look at the heavyweight rankings right now, right? He's not in the top 10 in the WBC. He's not in the top three in the WBA. He's not in the top three in the IBF. And he's not in the top three in the WBO. And he'll only slide backwards if he loses to Usyk. So I said this earlier. I mean, you look at the guys here, right? There are no more stadium fights if he loses to Usyk twice in a row. AJ versus Frank Sanchez at Wembley in front of 90,000. That doesn't sound correct. Definitely not with no titles on the line, right? AJ against Zhang Zilei live at Wembley. AJ against Martin Bacoli live at the Principality in Cardiff. AJ against Ajit Kabael. Live at Wembley in front of 90,000 fans. Right? I mean, look, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And in terms of the DAZN contract, if they're anything like the, the, the HBO contracts from back in the day, Anton... I mean, those came with all kind of clauses and contingencies. Like, you had essentially to keep winning to get maximum money, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot on the line over here, I think. A lot on the line for AJ. And and in this instance, in this instance, I'm going to have to agree with David Hay. I mean, he may just retire, right? He may just retire because a guy coming off of two wins, sorry, two losses, who at that point probably won't be ranked in the top five, won't have a title, obviously. That's not the kind of big platform that AJ's used to. And then you got to get into question the self-doubt, the motivation to get up for these lower-tier fights. Big up to Sly Tendencies with the Super Chat. He says, I made a lot of money going against David Hayes' picks. On this one, I'm in total agreement with him. Let's see what war has done to Usyk. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're pinning their, their hats on that, right? Um, I mean, he's still going to have a full camp. Minimum 10 weeks. He's probably already been training. Probably more going to be like, 12 plus weeks of full camp. Right? So we'll see. But I got I got to 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 I got to I got to uh 
agree with Hay on this one. I, I don't really disagree with him at all on, on this one. I, I think that he might actually be right on the money as it relates to this particular instance. And yeah, we may just see AJ retire. We, we might just see that. So uh, there you go. I had a, a video that I put up yesterday on the top five knockouts of the year. Unfortunately, you know, I ran into some some copyright issues. I'm contesting it. Um, so hopefully that will be back up for all of you to enjoy if you didn't see it yesterday. All right. Uh, for everyone else, I want to wish everyone a... Uh, a great rest of your Thursday, all right, as we lead into the week. All right, hit the like button. All right, hit the uh, subscribe button for me. All right, hit the notification bell and uh, support the channel. All right, support the channel if you can. That is going to be it for me for today. All right, and uh, I'll be up out of here. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it.